generate some money, bring in some side money, more money to pay your bills, more money to do the things you love, follow your hobbies, follow your dreams. That's what I'm going to be talking about today is uh, taking your passion, taking your hobbies, things that you're interested in. How do you turn that into something that can actually generate income? And I'm going to be sharing seven steps that I followed that I went through when I took my passion and my love for dogs and canine fit. Well, actually, my passion for dogs and fitness, not just canine fitness, but just human fitness, canine fitness, and how I turned that into something that I could actually bring in money. Um, if you know me through Northeast Canine Conditioning, you know me through canine fitness, my business. Um, my When I started this, my intention was never to, to create a business. My intention was not to generate money. The reason I got involved in canine fitness was because it was a passion of mine. It was something that I loved. It was a hobby of mine. Over time, though, it actually turned into something that was able to bring in money. At first, it was just side money to pay my bills for gas and travel and dog training. And then it ultimately became something where I actually left my university associate professor position and I'm now doing the canine fitness full time. How did that happen? And what are the steps that I took is what I want to share with you today. So if you are now just joining me, thank you. Uh, let me give you just a quick introduction. If you don't know me, my name is Erica Bowling. I am the owner and founder of Northeast Canine Conditioning. I help people on the canine fitness side, helping their dogs get fit and healthy. I also help people on the business side in um, growing and expanding their business, creating online programs. But if you don't know my background, I actually started out as an educator I spent over um, over 20 years in higher ed and academia, uh, over uh, nearly 17 years as, as an associate professor of education. And about a year ago, I left my full-time position to take my hobby full-time into canine fitness and turned it into a business. And if you are have been following me, I'm also, I've built a, a house. I'm gonna be moving to Maine very soon. And if you've seen photos of my, my new house, that is a result of turning my passion for canine fitness into a business. Um, it would not be possible what I'm doing today if I had not tapped into my, my passion for dogs, my passion for fitness, and found a creative way to, to make money off of it. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Charlie, thank you for joining us. Um, if you're just now hopping in, um, what are some of your, your interests and your passions? It doesn't have to be dog related. What other areas do you really enjoy? Think about areas that you are knowledgeable in or areas you want to learn more. And I'm going to be talking a largely about um, more knowledge base. Like if you have a knowledge of interest of, of skills or um, topics of things that you can help people with um, is how I'm going to be giving my examples. But there are other areas that will tap into it. But let me know, um, Charlie, what are some of, I know you're interested in your dog and fitness and, and, and I know that's key for you. Um, but if there's other topics that you're interested in, other hobbies, other passions you have, let, let us know. So let's dive right in. I want to get into this. I got some slides for you, and I'm going to give seven uh, seven steps that I took. I'm going to give you examples. There are many, many ways that you can do this, but I'm going to talk about the process I followed that was extremely successful for me. And not only was it successful financially, but I'm doing something I really, really love, um, and that makes it easier. So Christina said, uh, your kid and you are, oh, crafts, excellent, obsessed with pedigrees, genealogy, and of course, dogs. Great. So here, let me go through, let me give you some examples. Step number one, um, step number one is identify your passion, okay? So um, let me let me know your passion. So Christina, yes, your, your kid, horses, uh, Marilyn, riding, dogs. Marilyn, I see some other revenue generation stuff here for you. <laughs> um, human fitness, Charlie, wellness. Okay, this is really, really important. To me, it was really important. And this might not be for everybody, but I chose my career in education. I chose it by passion. Some people choose things because it's like, you know, this is going to bring in good money and I know I'm going to have a solid career and that's important. For me in my life, what's really important is to do to live a life that I'm passionate about and do things that excite me and do things I love. So for me, if I'm going to be working, if I'm going to be putting time into something, I want satisfaction, but I also I want excitement. I want something I love. I want to feel that excitement and passion on if, if at all possible on a day to day basis. 
And so if I'm going to pursue something that I can turn into income, there's a lot of stuff I can go and turn into income. But if I'm going to spend time doing it every day, throughout the week, throughout the months, I want to do something I'm excited about. I want to do something I'm motivated about. So there are times where I've been able to make money in areas that I turn down because it doesn't excite me. For some people, this is not a number one priority. That's fine. For me, this is really, really important for how I live my life. So for me, when you're tapping into turning a, a, a passion, a hobby, turning a, something you enjoy into revenue is something that you really, really, really love. And we don't always know what this is. Sometimes we have to go out and explore and learn new things and try things out to figure out what it is we really love. But for me, this has been huge for my success. If I was not as passionate about canine fitness and dogs and helping other people, I would not have the success that I've experienced. So um, yeah, Marilyn, I, you're, you're, you're writing stuff. I can think of so many people who, who could use your help. I bet who would be willing to pay for your help <laughs> and the writing. So um, yeah, if you're watching on the Northeast Canine Conditioning on my Facebook business page, I can see your comments if you post them. Let me know what right now, think about. It doesn't have to be dog related. And it may be something, don't attach it to money right now. You might say, nobody's gonna pay me for blah, blah, blah. Don't think about that right now. Just think about what really gets you excited. What can, what can you, you sit down and you get so involved, you can spend hours and hours and the hours, have you ever done it where you've been focused on something you enjoy so much that you like five, three, four, five hours go by and you don't even realize the hours have gone by. You're like just in that zone. That is, that is the kind of passion I'm talking about where it just, you just block every, you get so involved into that and you don't even realize that the clock is ticking. That's the kind of passion. Um, Louise, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Dogs, rehab. Michael, you have a lot of interest, but it's not just an interest. This is a strong, strong passion. Okay. Marilyn, time to dust off the English teacher hat. <laughs> Music, trying new foods. Okay, great. So do you guys understand the significance? It's not just an interest. It's not like, oh, I can make money on this. You really, really want to, from the heart. Okay. So that was number one in my step for being successful in generating income from my hobby. Number two, uh, let's see. Number two, once you do that is become a student of it. So, um, Charlie said, have you ever seen someone pursue their passion as a livelihood and then get burnt out because, oh yes, that's a good point. Uh, I'm going to talk about that. That's going to be one of the, I hope I don't forget, Charlie. I'm going to talk about that burnout. I'm, let me write this down. Please remind me if I forget. That's going to be in like step seven. Because right now we're just super excited, right? We're just starting out. You're super passionate. And then what happens is you um, become a student of that passion. Laura, pig training. I know you're passionate. Excellent. So when you're passionate about it, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the burnout. Just hold on, okay, hold on for that. When you're really, really passionate about something, you just become a natural student to it, right? Like, Laura, do you read pig stuff? Do you try to learn more? Like, think about when you started, like if you're already an expert. Laura, when you first started, like I imagine you went out and you're trying to find information and you meet people and you're maybe you're on Facebook groups, you're you're reading, you're watching videos, you're experiencing, you're working with pigs, right? So you you just become, uh, for me, it's it was natural. Step two is like I was a natural student. So I was really interested in dogs, really interested in fitness. So I was passionate about it. I became a student. I went to seminars. I had mentors. I learned from people. Um, I, went, I went to competitions. Um, I asked people questions. Um, I had my favorite people I followed on Facebook, right? You just become like a natural student and you just want to learn because you love it so much. You, you, you Google and you read and your spare time, you're trying to learn more and you're, you're observing and you're, you're just taking in as your sponge because you love it so much and you want to learn, right? And so that for me, that was a really important next step is I, I got really passionate about something and then I just, I wanna 
study. I want to learn. I want to be around it. I want to talk to people who also do it, who know about the same thing that I'm wanting to learn and um, the things that I enjoy being. You, you start to maybe surround yourself or talk with people. So becoming a student and learning. And so what you see here, this it says the Lang Institute for Canine Massage. When I first started getting into this, I, um, I was looking at physical therapy programs, canine physical therapy programs, but I couldn't get into them because I was not a veterinarian or I didn't have a, like a veterinarian uh, physical therapy background. So I started in canine massage. So I studied at the Lang Institute for Canine Massage. I don't know, it's kind of, it might be a little small, but this is the image I have here. Um, and I studied um, canine fitness and I studied canine massage. I didn't study it to make money. I studied it because I was interested in it and I wanted to learn about it and I wanted to get my dogs. I wanted to do it for my own dogs. So I became a student of canine massage. And then that also then introduced me over time to canine fitness. And then I became a student of canine fitness. I studied it. I studied it formally. I studied it informally, right? Um, yeah, Laura said way back then, it was a ton of info, right? So when you're starting out and you're not that expert yet, and um, and even now I'm still a student. I don't have as much time that I invest when I very first started, but I'm still a student of canine fitness. I'm still learning canine fitness. But when you first start out, you're you're it's so new, right? You want to learn as much as you can. So the first thing is identify that passion, and then you really become a lifelong student of that passion. Um, and there'll be different degrees. I find when I first start, I'm like obsessed with it. <laughs> and then over time, I'm still a student, but it's not as intense as when I first start, right? So, but you wanna be a lifelong student. So you're gonna be learning. So that, that was um, important for me for, um, that was step number two. And then step number three, is to me, it was a very natural, a very natural thing for step number three was I basically started to grow my presence. So what happens is you become passionate and then you start to get visible. Like for example, my passion was dogs and fitness. And then I was involved in a, um, I started getting involved in a sport called French training. So how did I grow my presence? And it happened naturally because I was so passionate about the topic. I went to seminars, um, I did classes, I went to competitions. Um, I actually created this Facebook page. This is a French ring, a Facebook group page. And I just put it up for people who are interested in the sport. And this is how I got involved in fitness because I was getting involved in the sport and I wanted to keep my dogs fit and healthy for the sport. So I just grew my presence by engaging in the activities around my passion, um, Facebook groups, newsletters, I would read magazines, I would go to go to trials. Eventually I started competing in trials. And so I went to fitness workshops. I did um, massage classes. And then as I became more knowledgeable, then also people would come and they'd say, hey Erica, will you show me how you stretched your dog? Um, will you show me that exercise you're doing? So what happened was I became a student, but then as I was learning and involved in these activities, I became more present in those communities. So, um, uh, so yeah, Laura, I don't know. Are you involved in different, like the pig, pig community, pig ownership, pig training? Um, uh, Christina, um, for some of, uh, for, you know, some of your hobbies, are there, um, groups, communities, classes, where are you present in those communities? Where are you present? Where do people, are they seeing you? And if they're not, if you want to turn this into eventually something to bring in revenue, you want to be present in communities where they are interested in crafts, where they are interested in horse training, where they're interested in um, um, learning about writing. So that is one area that I find that a lot of people, they have a passion, but then when they're trying to generate revenue and bring income, they don't have, um, they don't have an audience. So this is something, if you're thinking about turning it into something where you can generate revenue, you need to kind of start getting visible and tapping into and know where is the audience? Where are the horse training lovers? Where are the pig lovers? Where are the people interested who have an interest in writing or becoming a better writer who need help? Where do they hang out? 
where where are they going? Are they are there discussion forums? Um, are they um, engaged in meetup groups? Right. And you want to be visible. You want to connect with these people. Right. Christina said you're all over Facebook groups on video lives. You haven't made any yet. But yes, yeah, so being involved and being engaged and, and being aware of where are these communities? Where do they hang out? If you're interested in crocheting, where do the people who crochet, where do they hang out? If you're interested in um, uh, designing um, dog training equipment, right? I know people who build equipment for like jumps for um, training for competition. And okay, that's great. You like building things, but where are the people who need the things you build? Where are the people who engage in the sports? So that's really important. So, hey, Joe, they had Joe's here listening at 1.45 a.m. Joe, I know uh, I know you're, what, you're interested in dogs, but what are some of your other passions and what areas? So think about that and start, um, start making a list especially if you want to create money from this, if you're not, or even if you're already generating income, you want to brainstorm where are these people so that you can become present. Because ultimately, if you want to generate income, you have to find people to pay you. And so you need an audience, you need people in front of you. So if, um, if Laura is interested in pig train, you know, pig training, she doesn't want to spend all day hanging out with the cat people because the cat people aren't going to pay her for pig training, <laughs> right? <laughs> so whether you're already a business owner, whether you're already generating income, or if you're thinking about it, start making a list of all the areas of where you can become present and, and visible with these people. Interact with them. Talk with them. What are they interested in? Do they even know that you exist? You may have, you know, right now you're just kind of maybe coming in at their level. Maybe you're just interacting and sharing information and asking questions. It can be um, on social media. It can be uh, meetups face to face, not during the pandemic, but um, when we get back into you know normal life, you, there might be um, meetup groups and organizations and you wanna tap into that. You wanna start getting visible, interact. It doesn't mean that you're selling them anything right now. If you're just starting out, you wanna interact. And number one is you wanna know where to find, where are these people who have a similar interest as you? Right. Uh, Joe said dog obsessed <laughs> uh, football, interested in books. Good. And then um, so as you're a lifelong learner, you're learning, you're growing, you're becoming more knowledgeable. And then now you're getting visibility and you're finding where do these people hang out who love football? Um, people who want to learn uh, more about um, making uh, collars for their dogs, right? So that was um, that was important for me. Was growing my presence, and like I said, for me, it happened very naturally. I was very passionate about dog sports. I was very passionate about canine fitness, and so it was just very natural that I I sought out these groups on Facebook. Um, I sought out organizations. I joined the organizations um, for fitness. Um, I joined organizations involved with dog sports. And so I became um, active. I engaged with people. I started my own Facebook group. And that was because I was very passionate about it. So that was step number three. Um, so the next one, after I started to, um, I started to identify and interact with those people, the next level was I started to now support people. So remember we started out that you're, you're, you become a student of your passion. So what's happening is when you're a student of your passion, you're becoming knowledgeable, you're, you're starting to learn and you're starting to become an expert. You're starting to acquire knowledge and skills that other people don't have. So what happens is that starts to position you in, an, in a way to help other people. So for me, it was um, people started coming to me asking questions about how do I stretch my dog? Because they knew that I was you know, I studied canine massage. I, they knew that I was doing canine fitness because remember they saw me in the groups, they were interacting and they know, oh, Erica loves canine fitness. Erica does canine fitness. And so now people started to seek me out when they had questions about their dogs, when they had questions about fitness. And then I also started to offer support. I would do things like, um, in first to started informally is I would answer questions. When people had questions about canine fitness, I answered questions. 
Um, if I saw they were interested in a topic and I had knowledge of it, I would write an article. I would do a blog post. I would um, do a Facebook Live. And so I naturally just started, because I was gaining expertise, I now started helping people and people started to seek me out. So this can start out right away. You might actually have people offering to pay you. I did not start out with people offering to pay me. I started out, I, I just kind of, you know, I loved it. And so I wanted to help people. And so now people started to see me as the go-to person. Erica, you know, can answer my question for canine fitness. And so people started to identify. And if they didn't seek me out, they could at least say, hey, oh, you have a question? Go, go, go see Erica. And so the reason why they can say go see Erica is because from step number three, I was building my presence. So they know me now. They know that I know about fitness. They know that I've studied massage. And now people, either they seek me out or I can reach out to them and share information and support them and help them. So that right there is important for building income is because you are building credibility. You are building trust and you are building your following. So that is now where you start to get to the point where people are willing to pay you to learn more or get support about the thing that you are that expert or that more knowledgeable person in that activity, the sport, the knowledge that you have in your area of expertise that started out as a passion, right? Um, Joe said, you're studying at the moment and it never occurred to you to think about it that way. Yes. Um, there are lots of fellow students. Um, so it is, it's a different way to think about it. And normally, um, what was a shift for me, because remember, I did not go into this to make money. This, this was where it started to shift. And I started to think about it differently because people were coming to me asking questions. Judges, I had sport and um, uh, French ring, the sport that I do. I would have judges call me. They're like, Erica, I have a question about my dog. Oh, my dog's doing this and this, or I'm wondering if there's something wrong. And I'm like, I'm not a veterinarian. But it was interesting that even when they had medical problems, I would not answer medical problems, but it was interesting, but they identified me with fitness. And then when their dog had an issue, they'd be like, Erica, you know, what should I do? And I was like, you need to go to your veterinarian. But the, the key was they were starting to seek me out. So that was something that was an aha moment. And it was something that I resisted at first because I was like, who am I? You know, I did not see myself as that expert and people would come to me and I, I actually pushed them away. I would I'd be like, oh, I can't answer your question. You know, I, I, I'm not the expert. And that is, um, that is something that I kind of struggled for a while to identify myself as somebody who could help others because I did not see myself. I saw myself as I just love canine fitness. I learned about canine fitness. I did it for my own dogs. I did not see myself as helping other people and being like the go-to person. So one of the things to tap into is that will help you sometimes recognize an area where you could potentially tap into this is do people come to you and ask questions? Do people seek you out for help? Do people seek you out for advice? If yes, that is an area that might be a potential area to tap into for revenue. That might be an area that if you stop and reflect, that might be an area that you might tap into for generating some side money, that side hustle. But a, 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 a cue for me, something that really kind of tapped into that that I never even thought about was when people started coming to me asking questions. People started coming to me asking for help. Because remember, I did not go out with this, with saying, oh, I'm gonna go make money off of this. That was not my intention. And so they first came to me and I was like, oh, who am I? Who am I to be answering these questions? And it was a lot of me building confidence over time to be to the point where I could actually say, you know, offer something for money. But that was a turning point for me. So yes, I found, I found my niche. I, I found that area. So sometimes I meet people and they're like, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know my area of expertise. And I don't know where I can bring in money on the side. Who would pay me to, for, for something? So one of the things to think about is, you know, are you the go-to person in an area? It may be an area you never, ever, ever thought about making money. 
but it's an area where people seek you out. People ask you questions. People come to you for advice. That is an area to tap into. That is a potential area to turn a potential interest or a hobby into income, right? Uh, Marilyn said, people always single you out to ask about dogs all your life. See, there you go. It was meant to be, Marilyn. <laughs> so that was number four is um, put yourself in a position to support others. And if they come to you, if, um, if they are coming to you, don't push back because they sought you out for a reason, right? The next one is a little bit unique. Um, number five is determine commitment level. So for me, number five was important because up until now, I was just doing it for fun. I was just doing it for my passion. And um, I really had not thought about turning it into income. And for me, this was a turning point also because I had to determine my commitment level. Am I just going to do a little bit on the side? Am I going to be like, you know, maybe I'm not even going to charge money. Um, maybe I will offer for a little bit money, but am I doing it just for a hobby? Am I doing it just for a little bit of gas money? Am I doing it just to pay some bills? Or do I really want to get into this seriously? Am I serious about taking my passion for pig training or taking my passion for horses and horse training or taking my passion for writing, taking my passion for crafts and turning it into income, but being really being more serious about this? And being committed, saying, yes, I want to turn this into something where I'm going to generate income and um, and I'm not just casual income. Like I, I, I want to be serious about this and I want to I want to market it and I want to attract people and I want to sell stuff and I'm serious about it. And so this was a turning point for me. It was a very I remember a very st distinct moment. I was actually offering some courses because I'm a teacher anyways. For me, it was natural to offer courses but it was not natural for me to turn it into a business. There was a turning point where I decided, I said, you know what? I think I really, I want to try this. I want to, let's see how far I can go with this. I want to be serious. I don't want to just, you know, um, I don't want to just play around and just, you know, offer some free stuff here and there, but I'm serious about it. And I want to see how far I can go by generating income. I want to sell stuff. I want to make some money off of this. And this is where I determine kind of my commitment level. How do I really want to take that next step and how serious am I? Um, Christina, you say you totally know that self-doubt, but also the I've answered that question 11 times. Yes, that is key. That is that is telling you something when you've answered the same question a million times and they keep coming to you. That is telling you something. You have a skill, you have knowledge, you have expertise that other people want when they keep coming to you. And don't push it away. I pushed it. I pushed it away for about a year or two before I finally said, uh, Erica, light bulb, let's do something with this. <laughs> right. So um, some people you may, you know, you may decide you don't want to go the next step. It's just a hobby. You may bring a little bit of income and you're happy with that. For me, it was a commitment level. I really I want to try to get more serious about this and I want I want more money. Um, I do it because I love it, but now I want to, I want to see if I can generate some, some real significant money and who knows, maybe it could replace my full-time job. I never even dreamt. I never even thought that was possible when I started here, right here. When I reached this number five step, I started, I thought it was crazy, but I started to wonder, could I maybe make this a full-time job? Could I could I really be serious about this? And I started to, I, I thought I was crazy. I didn't really, I wondered if it was possible, but I did start to, I start to wonder. And I started to say, you know what? I want to see, I want to give it a try. Life is too short. I want to try it. I don't want to, I don't want to go to my grave and say, what if, what if I had tried to go big with this and go bigger? So the next step, that's number five. So the next step, um, number six, now, when I decided I was serious about it and um, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm serious. I want to commit to this and I have a skill set. I have a knowledge set. I, um, people know me. Uh, I know I can help people. People seek me out. I now want to be serious and let's be a bit more focused. And now, um, now let's be, let's, let's maybe it's still a hobby, but let's take it to the next level. 
And number six was so, so important for the success that I had was seeking mentoring and support. I found a business coach. I found a business mentor. I joined a mastermind, a business mastermind group. Um, I went on a business retreat out in California so I could um, engage with these people. And, um, and for me, this is lifetime, like a lifetime mentoring, lifetime support is ongoing um, because I always want to improve. I always want to get better. I always want to, you know, be on my toes and I don't want to get complacent. And so when I decided to be committed, seeking mentoring, seeking support, ongoing learning was really, really important. Really, really, really important. Um, and some people don't go that step. It just stays in the hobby. You bring a little bit of side money, you know, you're, um, that's fine. For me, I was like, you know what? I really want to be serious. I want to get better. And I want to get better on the business side of this and, and take my passion, but I want to bring income. And this was, this was, I, this was so important. I could not do what I do today if I not, had not gone out for additional support from more experienced others to teach me what they did for their success. Um, really important. Uh, number seven, uh, sometimes it takes a while to find the right mentor. I'll say that. Don't give up. I, I've talked to people. They, um, I, I have somebody today, I, I, a client, a co uh, Nancy. I, I was talking to um, Nancy about this. Um, and also, I don't know if you're watching me, Michael. I emailed you about this, about masterminds. Um, but I've talked to different people who have had different experiences in different programs who have worked with different people. And they're not always a positive experience. How many of you have invested in a program and you didn't get your, you didn't feel like you got your monies out of it? your money worth. And so what I find here is when you're serious and you're committed is you may have to have a couple attempts. You may have to do a couple classes, work with a couple mentors, and uh, it may take a little time to find that right group, the right program, the right mentor, the right coach. But if it's serious, if you're committed, you don't give up and, um, and you find that right person. So if you have not found the right person or the right group or the right support, if this is important to you, don't give up. You can find it. And it doesn't always happen the first time around or the second, okay? I worked with a number of people and it was not always the first person um, or the first group or the first mastermind that you that you join, right? So, um, oh, Michael, it was a different Michael, sorry. <laughs> it was a different Michael. There's a couple of Michaels here, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, Marilyn said, mentoring and accountability are critical. Joining the mastermind, yeah. Joining the right mastermind. Like I said, I've heard of a number of people where they join masterminds and they um, it was not the right the right fit for them. You got to find the right fit. You got to find the right mastermind, the right program, the right coach, the right mentor, the, the right community. So don't give up if you don't find it right off the bat. And that's where the passion, when you're super passionate, you, you'll stick in there and you'll find it. Yeah, very important. Um, uh, step number seven. And um, I, I'm going to go back. Remember the burnout question? Um, let me go to my seventh step and I'm going to tap into the burnout. The uh, seventh um, the seventh step, my mind is blank because I forgot what it was. The seventh step, oh yes. The seventh one is developing, this is all along, but mental toughness and grit. So this is where once you've dedicated to it, you're moving forward, you're learning more, the um the mental uh, this is uh, Angela Duckworth if you have any of you read any of her stuff when you read about mental toughness and grit a lot of times she's the one um she's a, a researcher uh she is the one that's done a lot of writing about um grit if you're interested in this topic check out her stuff grit but um this is key for your success Mental toughness and grit. The perfect example is you you go you join a mastermind and it's it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. Do you give up, or do you say you know what? Uh, that was not good. Let me leave and let me find another program. Let me leave and find another person. That mental toughness, mental grit. That's that you don't give up. Like. You know it's not going to be easy all the time. When the hurdles come, when the challenges come, you you work through it. Um, whoops. Oh, sorry, I just had something pop up on my screen here. Um, and so this is really important for success because you will hit bumps in the road. You will hit challenges. You, will, you might have tears. I had tears. You might have tears. 
You might feel like a failure. You're going to have low confidence. Like this happens to everybody. But the mental toughness and the grit is something that is going to help you withstand the time and work through it and ultimately be successful. Ultimately, when something doesn't work, you keep at it. You keep at it and you don't give up. And the mental grit and toughness is going to help you with your ongoing learning. And that's going to be uh, that's going to be uh, uh, important. Uh, Marilyn, um, Joe said you have to have similar values and be on the same page. Yes. Um, Marilyn said mentoring and accountability are critical. Joining the mastermind, um, uh, the Senator, I don't know what, um, Marilyn, I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> the Senator. <laughs> um, uh, so let me go back to burnout. Okay. So the question Charlie asked, you know, if you know where you take a passion and, um, you follow the passion, you turn an income and you, you become burnout right? That that's a danger. So this is what I do is I'm always, when I feel myself getting that burnout, I have to try to figure out why am I losing my passion? Why am I losing my excitement? Okay. So you turn your passion into profit. You turn your passion into a career. And you're, you're getting, you're losing motivation. You're feeling burnout. Number one is why are you, why are you burning out? Why are you losing motivation? And, and it can be because it might not be because you're following your passion. It might be because, um, you're, you're not getting enough sleep. It might be because, um, you are not getting help that you need. It might be because you're working seven days a week, 24 seven. So it might not be because you're you're doing your what you love. It might be because you are not giving yourself time to recharge, to get energy, to relax. Maybe you're not exercising anymore. Maybe you're not eating right, right? That is going to affect us. So uh, when my a lot of times when my motivation drops, a lot of times it's not because I'm doing what I love and I do it too much. It's because I'm not taking care of myself right? I'm not taking care of myself. I'm, I'm ignoring my health. Um, I'm ignoring my downtime. I'm, I'm ignoring like rest. Okay. So that is something when I'm feeling burnt out, I, I assess Erica, are you getting enough sleep? Erica, are you eating well? Uh, Erica, have you kept up with your exercise? That's the first thing that I start to stop to see when my motivation and my passion drops. Okay. Then the other thing that I do is when I'm doing something over and over, like at the university, I was teaching the same class for like 13 years. And yeah, I loved it at first, but after 13 years, like you start to be like, all right, <laughs> it's a different motivation. So what I do when I start feeling for me, I lose the motivation because it, I feel stagnant and I'm not pushing myself and there's a loss of creativity. And so what I do when I'm starting to feel that I feel that loss of motivation and that burnout is I find that I have to kind of reinvent myself. I have to reinvent what I do, reinvent what I teach. I either take what I'm doing and I learn something new and I put a spin on it, or I actually start to diversify and I actually start to go a different direction. So for me, Charlie, um, I kind of reinvent what I do and I change things up and I learn new things. And sometimes, yes, I, I might um, lose passion for what I'm doing. And so what I do is I, I find I, I'm like constantly following where are my interests and what can I do to learn more, do new things, add more areas. And sometimes what happens is I take a left-hand turn. And that's what happened when I was at, uh, at the university, I was following my passion. My passion was dropping. I tried many, many ways. I tried all different ways to bring that passion back. I learned new things. I changed the classes I was teaching. I pursued new skills and it would bring the passion back, but then it would, wouldn't last. And then I try new things and it wouldn't last. And then ultimately what I, what I had to do is I had to take a, a, a turn. I had to say, all right, I'm going to deviate. And now I'm going to do something a little bit different. And so that's what I do, um, Charlie, because 
I don't want to live my whole life where it's just like the day to day grind over and over and over. So if that means if, if I said, you know what, I've done this for 13 years and you know, 13 years, it's time for something new. And so sometimes I do, um, I will try to um, take care of myself first. I'll rest. I'll, I'll make sure that I'm giving my myself to do other stuff. Right. But, it, but if I'm doing all that and I'm not excited about what I'm doing anymore, I change it. And I did a major change. I left my career. I left, I left my job at the university um, because uh, it was slow. It was over a number of years. It wasn't like overnight, but it was my interests changed, my motivations changed. And I tried to, you know, I tried to build it up in other areas, but ultimately I decided, you know, my life is going to take a different direction. So, um, so that's what I do. And I find that that's normal. If I'm going to do something year after year after year, if I'm not changing it up, I'm going to get bored with it. I'm going to lose my passion. So I need to change it up. Um, that happened, you know, I did French ring and then I went into detection work right? Then I got into canny cross. So if I had only done, you know, 15 years of one sport, I probably would, you know, yeah, I would have lost some of that passion. And so I started to feel the passion lessening. And so what excited me, let's try um, canny cross, let's try dog sledding, maybe. Um, let's go out and um, learn a new sport. And that's what I do is um, I try to figure out why am I losing motivation? Why am I feeling burnout? I attend to that. And sometimes, sometimes it means I need to learn a new skill. Maybe I need to go a different direction or do a spin-off of what I'm doing. And that's what I do. But it does take some self-reflection. I do think you, you know, don't just drop everything and, and say, hey, you know, I'm done. Um, unless you know for sure. But if you're not, um, make sure for me, number one is attending to myself and making sure why am I why am I depressed? Why am I stressed? Why do, why is my student annoying me? Right? I don't want my students to annoy me. Why is my student annoying me? Well, maybe because I um, went to bed at four in the morning and I've had no sleep and I had seven hours of meetings. That's why my student is annoying me. Not because of my job. It's because I'm not taking care of myself. Um, that's what I do. Um, that's just my approach. Not to say it's going to work with everybody. Uh, Charlie, thank, uh, thank you. He said, he, uh, you, you applaud the courage. Many, if not most people prefer the safety and the mundane and the mustering the courage. Thank you. It was really, really hard. It was not easy. It was not easy. And it was something that took me a number of years, um, uh, to build up the capability to make a shift. And then once I wanted the shift, I'm like, I want a shift. It probably took me at least a year, if not a year and a half or more to build the courage. And, oh, you know what I did? This is important. Um, to build up the courage and the ability was I actually hired another coach. I really struggled with the courage and I hired a coach. I had like a life coach. I hired a person to coach me and teach me mental strategies to deal with the lack of confidence and the fear. I didn't just do it on my own. I went back and I had help and I had people coach me and support me, not just on the how physically to do it, but I hired people to help me to build mental toughness. I hired people to help me build grit and to help me build the mental strategy to build up more courage to do what I do. Um, let me, I, that's important for me to add. It was not easy, but it was important to me. And I invested time and money for people who did do this, people who have coached people to do this, people who have experienced what you need to do mentally to do this. And I had them supporting me. I had two key people. I had my business coach and I had a life coach who supported me in doing this to build the mental toughness, the grit and the courage to make it happen. But to me, it was well worth the investment because it was, I was so passionate and it was so important for me to be able to live that life that I wanted. Right. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I hadn't thought, thought about um, the, the role. Um, so 
Uh, oh, Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn's a confusion. I thought you were relating to the book. So, so those are the seven things that um, the seven uh, steps, the seven ways. Uh, for me, this was kind of chronological. It's a, not all black and white. There is a little bit of fuzziness in between the steps. But more or less, this was kind of uh, chronological to how I took my passion for dogs and fitness and how I turned it into generating income, well, not just side money, and then how I turned that into something where I had the courage, the grit, and the mental toughness to actually walk away from one career and walk into another. Um, so... I wanted to share that with you um, to maybe give you some ideas and some areas that maybe you have strengths and skills or interests that you might have areas that you can generate money and areas that you might want to tap into to bring in a little bit of side income that you had not thought about. And then some of you may have already identified an area that you want to do this, but you're, you're within the steps. You're somewhere in that process. Maybe you're needing more mental toughness and grit. Maybe you're needing more motivation. Maybe you're in the, the student stage. Maybe you're still learning so that you can have more to offer people. And a lot of us are always in that area of gaining visibility, being more present and building our audience so that more people know that we're out there and we, we, we can help them. We have knowledge, we have skills, we have things that can help people. And if you don't get out in front and build your presence, they don't know you're out there. And then how are you going to generate income if nobody even knows you exist? <laughs> so you, the, you have to get out there and be present and know where those people are. So cool, cool, cool. Any questions? Was this helpful? Hopefully some of you are thinking about some potential new ways that you might want to um, tap into areas of your passions. Um, I had one more slide for you. Oh, actually, let me, let me pull it up here. And I do have a slide. Um, if you want to... Um, if you want to know more about kind of the business side and um, what are some of the other components of if you're wanting to tap into and, and, and build and grow your business and what are some of the different components in addition to the mental toughness, right? What are some other things you need? Uh, check out my canine biz quiz if you haven't. It's kind of a little self-assessment and thinking about what does it take to be profitable? What does it take to have a successful business? What are the different categories of things you need to be skilled at and be learning, uh, hop on over to my canine biz quiz and uh, it'll give you an idea of where your strengths are and where areas are that you might need help. And if you want some help in this, um, reach out to me. Uh, we have a canine business mastermind program. Um, I do business coaching. I help people on the strategy side. I do do some kind of helping people and building that that mental toughness. We do talk about the mental state and how to be strong and, and make those decisions on the the, when you hit the bumps along the way. Um, but also if you take the canine biz quiz, you could also qualify uh, and get a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me so we could talk about your business ideas, uh, complimentary, free. So check that out if you haven't um, if you haven't done the canine biz quiz or reach out if you have done it, but you didn't take advantage of your one-on-one -on -one session. So thank you, thank you, Christina. Thank you, Michael. I'm sorry for the confusion. When I said I sent an email, it wasn't, it was, it was some, a different Michael. <gasps> Didn't mean to confuse you. Um, so check that out. Uh, if you are uh, interested in more information, I have questions, reach out to me. If you're, um, go to, let me pull this up. If you go to my Northeast Canine Conditioning, if you want to know more, let me pull this up for you. If you go to my website, northeastcanineconditioning.com, um, scroll down towards the bottom and you can see my canine business mastermind program. If you want to see about getting a uh, business support. Also, if you work with horses, if you work with pigs, if you are not necessarily a dog person, um, I do help business owners or people who want to create a business. I do help people that are not just um, dog trainers or canine professionals. So feel free to reach out. Um, Thank you. Michael said all of Erica's programs are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've worked with Michael quite a while in canine fitness and business. Charlie said, did I experience any sexism or gender bias being a, a female business owner? Not as a, no, not as a female business owner. Let me think. I've experienced in other ways, actually, in education and in um, academia, um, when I was teaching overseas, I most definitely experienced it when I was teaching other, other countries. Definitely. Um, I experienced it. Um, as a business owner, not so much. 
Um, I do stuff. Um, I do. And some of the communities, like, you know, when I'm talking with the work, at, um, and I, I'm not, um, no, I, I'm thinking kind of the overt, uh, my online business and stuff. I haven't in, um, in K through 12 education, not so much in higher education. Yes. In higher education at the university. And um, when I was teaching in other countries, also when I was teaching overseas at the university, I did feel it at the university. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Kim. I've, I've helped Kim uh, and she's fo we focused on the horse. I've had a couple horse trainers that I've worked with and helped. Um, Christina, so if you have business ideas but don't want to act on them, what do you suggest? You have a, a couple of restaurant ideas but you hate food service? So, I mean, if you say you have a business, uh, business ideas, but you don't want to act on them, do you mean you don't want to act on them now and you want to see if there's potential? Is that what you're thinking? Because, I mean, if you have a business idea, like for a business, I would think ultimately you, you might want to act on them, right? Are you, are you kind of in the brainstorming mode? If you're, if you're, if you have ideas, um, one of the things to do is to talk with people in that area, right? So if you have ideas, say, on the restaurant side of things, um, one of the things, if you're bouncing around ideas in your head, what I would do is I would try to find people who I respect in that field, um, who are knowledgeable of that field, who I respect in the field, and maybe people who have been successful ideally people who have been successful in the things that you're thinking about and just having a chat with them. I did that once where I was looking at, um, I was looking at some areas of canine fitness and areas that I don't have knowledge in. Like I, I don't do all dog sports. I'm not a working dog handler in all, you know, different areas. So what I did was I looked for a person who I respected, who was knowledgeable in that area and I called him up on the, I said, Hey, I messaged him on Facebook and I said, Hey, um, I have some ideas and I'd love to get your opinion. And what I did, I said, I did this with a couple different people. I reached out on Facebook and they were people who were knowledgeable in that area. Um, I respect, I highly respected them. And I messaged them on Facebook and I said, Hey, you know, I, I have some ideas I've kind of thrown around. I'd love to get your, your thoughts. And I, I got hopped on the phone and I, um, and I just brainstormed and I shared with them what I was thinking to get feedback. It's important to get feedback from somebody who's knowledgeable. Don't take your business idea to somebody who has no idea what you're, what you're doing. Um, and they're going to give you all their opinions and they're going to, they may, they're going to put all their doubt and all their concerns and worry on, and fear on you. And then you're going to get all fearful and you're going to doubt yourself. Don't do that with somebody who, who you don't respect and somebody knowledgeable take it to somebody who, who knows their stuff, somebody who you trust and respect, listen to them. Don't listen to the people who have no knowledge of that area because what happens sometimes is they want to protect you and they want to keep you safe and they're going to put all, they're going to fear bomb you. All their concerns and fears, they're going to place it on you and then it's going to make you go, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's too scary. Oh, I'm not smart enough or whatever. And then it's going to create a lot of self-doubt. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you, um, you have a whole concept, but you don't want to be in that business, think about maybe there's another business. You know what that, you know what, Christina, this all goes back to what I would do is I would tap into, if I have an idea is I go back to my passion. If I have a concept, but I'm, if, if it's an area I'm not passionate about, then find an area, find an area of business, find an area that you are excited about. And, you know, if it's, if you have a concept and you're not interested in that area is what excites you. That's what I would do. If you have an, if you're, you have a concept and you're wondering, I would, I would do, I would take a notepad. I would journal. I would brainstorm. I write. I either talk to people and I brainstorm and talk to people or I journal and write. And then that helps me generate ideas and tap into what excites me. You know what I do sometimes is I get a piece of paper and I just brain I brainstorm all the possibilities. I'll put like a hundred things on a piece of paper and then I go back and I say, okay, what really excites me? And then I start just crossing off stuff that doesn't excite me. That's what I would do. Christina is I would, um, 
you might have a concept, but sometimes a concept is a concept and you might trash it if it's not something that really excites you. Me personally, I would say, okay, if that's an industry, I'm not going to force it. If I'm not excited, if I'm not in interested in that particular industry, I'm not going to pursue it. Um, but if it's something that I can morph into something that I'm excited about and passionate about, then I'll go with it. So what I would do is I would talk with somebody, do some brainstorming and do some journaling, some writing and um, put all just all my ideas, just throw them out, like you know, throwing it on the wall and then just see what sticks. And then, and then I would sit and say, what really excites me? And then that's what I would go with. Yeah. Uh, Joe said, you think she means that she wants a business in it, but not personally doing it. Yeah. Again, I, I would, I would, I would, me personally, um, if I want to do it, but I don't want to personally be the one doing it, I would, I would number one, tap into how, how interested am I truly about doing it? Um, why don't I want to personally do it? But if it is something I really want to do, but I don't want to personally be the one, you know, actually on the ground doing it again, I would seek out somebody that is knowledgeable in the area and say kind of logistically, is this, how would this look? How would it work? But if it's something that I'm not, if it's something I'm not truly excited about, um, I might not know how it's going to work. And that's where I have to do my research, right? I have to be a learner. I have to be a student. I need to go seek people out if I have an idea and how will it work? Um, but, um, but that's how I would, I would pursue it is I would see, am I, is this something I worth my time? Do I want to pursue it? I would do more research, become a student of it. And then I would talk with people who are more knowledgeable than me in different areas and see how, how I can make it happen. Yeah. So Christina, you said, uh, sell the idea, but have zero clue on how that works. That is possible. If you have a really good idea and somebody else is on board, if it's a really good idea, you may have the knowledgeable people who are interested that know how to implement it. That's where you have to talk with those more knowledgeable others. You have to, you have to have that conversation with other people who may say that's a really great idea and then they know how to implement it. And then you have to figure out, you know, is it going to be like a business partner thing? Is it going to be something where, um, you know, you, you collaborate, you have different levels, but you're, if you're, if you don't know how it works, you have to bring on board people who have that, that expertise to at least, um, have that conversation. This is important where you talk with somebody who you trust because you don't want to take an idea and then somebody just grabs your idea and steals it and runs off with it. If it's something like that. So you need to think about somebody who has more knowledge than you to help figure out, is this indeed possible? but you also want to talk with somebody you trust. If it's something you want to just right now, you want to protect that idea um, and, and keep it with somebody you trust. Right. Yeah. I hope that I, I have to know more specifics to um, give you more concrete examples. Right now we're talking very, like we don't even know kind of specifics of what kind of concept we're talking about, but that in a general kind of very hypothetical way. Um, Christina said, uh, you definitely want to be passionate, but the idea has been stuck in your brain for years. Um, but you don't, you don't want to do it. You'd rather do what you love. Yeah. Uh, if it's something that I, I talked with somebody one time and they're like, hey, yeah, Erica, I want to do an online academy and I want to do this. And everybody's telling me to do it. She had this great idea. She was going to do this big online academy. And it was something that like everybody wants. And, um, it was related. Um, um, I don't think she follows me, but I, I'm not going to say the topic. She was really interested in doing, uh, she, everyone was saying, you know, Oh, you got to do this. You're so good at it. You got to do it. She met with me to join my mastermind. She wanted to do an online Academy. And when I started asking her and she just didn't seem that passionate. And when we got down into the nitty gritty, she really, she's like, yeah, I'm just doing it because it's a good idea. I know it'll make money. Everybody's telling me to do it but she really was not excited at all about it. And, um, and I actually kind of coached her out of like, not, not, not working with me because I was like, I wouldn't do it. And online Academy is a lot of work. And <laughs> if you're just doing it just to make the money and you're not really passionate, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, because it's a lot of work to be doing something that you're not really excited about. Do the list, Christina, do the list, brainstorm. Yeah, you, you need some trustworthy people. Um, 
I would, I would, I would pick people who know, uh, who are knowledgeable of either in the concept of what you're thinking. It doesn't even have to be somebody in that area to get started. Uh, maybe I would, um, if you're looking at it from a business aspect, I would find a business, somebody who has business knowledge, a business owner. It might be in a totally different field, but somebody who you know and you trust who is a successful business owner and um, start there. It does not have to be in that field. If you have a, a knowledgeable business owner who is a successful business owner, they can probably walk you through part of that and, and help you. But yeah, somebody you trust and you respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all part of, it's a lot of research. You, you, it's a lot of research and it is important having people to, um, to support you. But be careful. Um, when be careful who you open up to when you're playing around with ideas, because a lot of times that's where our insecurity comes in, right? We're, we're not sure. Like, can we do this? Is this, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Is this a good idea? And when we're first starting, we have a lot of questions and we, a lot of times we'll have insecurities and doubt. And so that's why we have to be careful who we share stuff with, because if we're already a little bit insecure, if we tell the wrong people, they they can very quickly um, like make your insecurity like really <laughs> explode <laughs> and they, they can do the fear bombing and they can really, they can actually talk you out of something. You may have a really great idea and uh, they may actually like make you feel like it's a completely worthless idea and to not do it. Um, and it could be the wrong people. So it's really important when you're just starting out and you have a little bit of self doubt and you're not sure you need people you can trust and people, um, that you respect and, um, people, um, who are, have, have some knowledge. They're not just, um, sh sh they're not shooting you down just because they're, they're, they think they know what's best for you. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Christina. You've ran it across friends who have done Facebook and real estate and IT. They all suggested you do it, but you don't want to be in it, but you also don't want to see your, your idea franchise. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, um, if you want to chat or message me with more details, I'd be happy to share my thoughts with you. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Cool. That's that mental, that mental game, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, people can throw you for a loop if you, um, yeah. Uh, sharing, sharing too much too soon with the wrong people. Don't, don't hoard everything. But for, for me, it's the self doubt and the insecurity. That's where it comes in. Um, and be careful sometimes like your family and loved ones and your friends and family. Um, sometimes they, they, because you might be stepping out onto some, um, unknown territory and they want, they want you to be safe and secure. So if you're thinking about stepping out into something that's not safe and secure, you're a lot of times your friends and family want you to stay safe and secure. So they're going to try to guide you, not because they don't think you can do it, but because of their fear, their own fear of being uncomfortable and, and losing safety. So I've experienced that with, you know, with loved ones, friends, and they would put self-doubt in my head because they, you know, they weren't willing to take a risk and I was willing to take more risk than them. And so their fears were placed on me. And that can make you put a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to message me the details and I'll, I'll be happy to um, share my thoughts. All right, you guys, I didn't, I didn't intend to go so long, but we had some great, uh, great comments and questions and, and Charlie had some great comments here and uh, Christina. Um, oh, Kim said, what did I do to build up my mental game? Um, part of that was um, I worked with, I worked with coaches and people to teach me strategies. Um, my business coach taught me strategies. I also had like a life coach and um, I read, I also read. I read books. I read books on strategy, motivation, um, mindfulness. I read books and self-help books, and I hired people who coached me through it. I did not do it on my own. Um, that's how that's how I built up the mental game, and also trial and error, experience. You get, you know, you build up, um, you build up thicker skin through experience and things fail and you survive and you're like, I'm a survivor. I did it. And that also builds up that toughness is life experience. Just, uh, um, you know, uh, having bad things happen and then you survive <laughs> that builds a lot for mental toughness when you realize you can survive more than you thought. So life experience, 
reading, self-help books, uh, and also uh, coaches, hiring coaches to help me. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Any other questions? Happy, happy to share with you guys. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys find, found this helpful. Again, check out northeastcanineconditioning.com if you're wanting some help on the business side, if you're wanting help on that mental toughness on the business. I've got the, the, the Canine Business Mastermind Program. Um, message me if you have any questions. Take the canine, uh, take, take the biz quiz if you want to know more. Even if you're not a canine professional, there are business questions here that might help, help you, even if you're like a, a business owner in another area. So you're welcome. Happy to share, Charlie. All right, you guys, I am logging off. I went about 30 minutes longer than I planned, but I, I stayed here because I love helping you guys. I love answering your questions. Joe, thank you. Thank you for staying up so late. Get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, regards Jobs and Graham and the Poochies. Yeah, get some sleep. It's early in the morning there, late, late at night. Thank you again, you guys. Every Friday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, you can find me on my Northeast Canine Conditioning, my Facebook business page. Visit me on my Facebook page, but also you can visit my uh, business page, northeastcanineconditioning.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, Northeast Canine Conditioning. And please feel free to reach out anytime. Message me, um, Facebook me uh, if you have any questions. So, oh, not, not jobs. Thanks. No problem, Joe. Yeah. All right. Logging off. Have a great rest of the week, weekend. Stay safe. And I will talk to you next Friday. Bye-bye for now.